you will hear how Yag talks things differently about marketing generally. You're never going to win by playing somebody else's game. So you have to talk about how different you are and position yourself differently. You will hear the first thing he did to build a challenger content marketing strategy for Avuma as they were going against incumbents like Gong. When you looked at it, for us it was like, is that the perspective that we are going to take to the market? Because every other company who were trying to compete with Gong, they were playing the same game where they said that, hey, I'm going to give you 80% of what Gong does at 20% of its price. But what's the point, right? So nobody wants to be a cheaper Gong. Nobody wants to really uh, bet on something that is an alternative to something. So we started first with the story that every meeting has a life cycle set of things that you do before, during and after the meeting and then you also hear how he built a content marketing mix that is today driving the company to become a very big brand. Hey, it's not only what your product solves for, it's also about the various things that your customers go through. It's about you understanding their life cycle, the set of things that they're doing um, in their day-to-day -day life. And then saying that, okay, what is the nearest adjacent problem that I can solve for, even though my product does not solve for it today. And that becomes part of your uh, content mix. Welcome to another jam-packed episode of Growing With Content. I'm your host, Victor Edu, the lead content marketing strategist and founder at VCDO Studio. Today, I'm pumped to have Yag, the founder of SaaS Prince and the former director of content marketing at Avoma to tell us how he built a challenger content marketing strategy that has driven the incredible growth of Avoma. Let's dive in. Hey, Victor, how are you? Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm super, super happy to be here. And uh, yes, for all the listeners, um, I, um, Niyag, I've been uh, in the world of marketing for the last 15 years or so, and uh, more specifically in the world of content marketing in the SaaS domain for the last 10 years, and um, pretty much enjoyed working with various SaaS brands of different sizes from SMBs to a mid-market to enterprises as well. It's been a wondrous journey. And in that journey, there has been uh, books, podcasts, and then blogs and uh, all the likes. So it's been a fun ride. And I'm looking forward to what Victor has for me today. Today, we want to talk about what you have to walk us through how to build a content marketing strategy for a challenger B2B SaaS brand. Not just walk us through it. He's going to share a quick case study of how he did it for one of the companies he led as director of marketing. So for the next... 10 to 15 minutes, yeah, take it off. Like, tell us what it meant going into a challenger B2B SaaS company, seeing all the behemoths you are going against, but still you are able to go in there and build a content marketing strategy that today is still driving the company and making, like I see the CEO make share posts on LinkedIn every day of how companies go to them instead of Kong. So we want to hear the story behind that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm definitely going to share, uh, you know, um, one key story, which will have uh, three extensions to it. So let's let's start with this. So the story is more about how um, I came up with the content strategy for um, Avuma uh, while I worked there. And um, the best part is when I first came into Avuma uh, in 2021, early 2021, I realized that uh, it was not like the way it is right now where 
you know, the entire conversation marketing uh, or the conversation intelligence industries inundated with tons and tons of products. In the last two years, the amount of products that has come into this um, uh, domain is huge. You, we almost always saw that every week there was a couple of new products coming in. So from that perspective, one of the things that we realized is uh, at that point, one of the biggest incumbent and the market leader at the point was Gong. So the difference that we had to establish and one thing that I've always held clear in my head is that you're never going to win by playing somebody else's game. So you have to talk about how different you are and position yourself differently. So step one, when we looked at Gong, they were primarily talking about revenue intelligence. They were talking about uh, all things to do with call recording. And then primarily from a sales perspective, they said that if for a sales company, I mean, for a sales organization, uh, you need to do uh, coaching, you need to do revenue intelligence, you need to do forecasting, so on and so forth. But when you looked at it, for us, it was like, is that the perspective that we are going to take to the market? Because every other company who were trying to compete with Gong, they were playing the same game where they said that, hey, I'm going to give you 80% of what Gong does at 20% of its price. But what's the point, right? So nobody wants to be a cheaper Gong. Nobody wants to really uh, bet on something that is an alternative to something. So we started first with the story that every meeting has a life cycle set of things that you do before, during and after the meeting. And then the entire sequence of the product and the features and the set of things that we built were based on, you know, before the meeting, what are the set of things that you need? Do you need note taking? Do you need uh, scheduling tools? Do you need uh, templates for it during the meeting? What happens? Um, you know, while you are attending the call, uh, are you able to take notes? If not, why not use generative AI to take notes for you? And if it's just generative AI, uh, what is that beyond it? You know, uh, everybody in the last one year has been talking about the generative AI, chat GPT and all of that. But the difference is, does everybody understand that, uh, hey, when there are two people on the call, whom do you give priorities to, right? So do you, uh, you know, capture something that was spoken as a small talk? Or do you understand the difference between what a person is mentioning as a pain point so that which is more important do you give priority to a prospect speaking or do you record more of what the rep is saying there's a lot of nuance to it similarly after the meeting as well so we wanted to encapsulate all of this and uh, go and build a content marketing strategy around those topics for starters at that point i would say you know if you went to hrefs and if you searched aboma uh, there were hardly about, uh, you know, 200 people searching for Aboma uh, in a given month. And I was like, we need to change this. How do you do this? And this is exactly opposite of demand capture. Uh, because demand capture, we realize that when you're a small organization, it is, you know, uh, it is it is a game that is more useful for somebody who has a lot of money and who can play that game. For somebody else, People think the opposite. They think that right now, let's let's spend on capturing than creating. But actually, generating demand is much easier if you understand what is happening in the market. Uh, for example, number of people looking for Gong were like 26,000 at that point in a given month. Number of people looking for Chorus, one of the other key competitor. I, I mean, right now, Chorus, for all the people who don't know, it's part of Zoom Info. Um, but at that point, it was a separate organization and they had about 13,000 or 15,000 searches per month. So what we did was, hey, somebody who is evaluating Gong is also evaluating Chorus. Somebody who is evaluating Chorus is also looking at Gong. So why don't we write an article about Gong versus Chorus um, as a blog post? And the 
fundamental thought process and the strategy behind this was more like it was not about saying gong versus chorus versus avoma it would be very typical and when you look at it like hey uh, this was written under the avoma domain the moment you look at it you're going to feel that okay these guys are going to say that they are the best and nobody's going to trust you but what we wanted to do was we genuinely wanted to help people make that decision we said okay um if you're evaluating gong you need to know that what is why are they positioned as a revenue intelligence solution what does a revenue intelligence solution actually do and do they do all those things and is there a certain gap in the industry similarly why though chorus and gong are almost similar in their product why is that chorus is positioning themselves as a conversation intelligence and not revenue intelligence explain those aspects then you give them some context saying that hey if you're evaluating these two products these are the four or five fundamental parameters that you need to look at and for each of those parameters these are the kind of questions that you need to ask and once you have that then you can go and expand as to each of these features how they stack up against each other what they do what they don't do and certainly at the end of it we said that hey uh, while they do all of these things there are certain things that they are missing and when i spoke about those things there were factors like note taking there were factors like uh, you know subtle nuances as to um, instead of you using five different tools you you would be able to communicate in between and uh, you know you should be able to uh, collaborate without leaving the platform because who wants to uh, spend on five different tools to get just you know stitch from one meeting alone so and in that aspect i showed some screenshots of avoma again without pitching avoma heavily anywhere and towards the end i just give a verdict that hey if you are um, you know if you are part of the sales team if you are a vp of sales or a decision maker in sales and if you want to go with a brand of course you can go with gong uh, if you are looking for x y and z then probably you look at chorus but if you are looking at uh, uh, these uh, typical aspects where you want to focus on certain areas for each persona within your organization and um, you still want to be able to uh, price differently for each persona then look at this because of xyz so interestingly what happened was slowly and steadily we realized every single month there were at least 3 to 4 deals that were coming just from this one blog post after reading this people were going and uh, signing up and this also impacted in the amount of searches of avoma it's like in in a span of about 6 to 7 months we saw it go from 200 to about 1.5k uh, the number of searches for the keyword avoma of course there were also few other blog posts that were written but this is something that really worked and from here uh what we took is that hey okay why do just for you know one competitor let's do for more of course you know we did auto versus fireflies we did uh sales soft versus outreach so on and so forth and once we finished that then we realized that hey actually you know what the set of people who are using a product that is in the conversation intelligence uh, domain have also or will likely invest on a crm they might invest on a um, you know customer success tool they might invest also on a sales engagement tool so we created an entire section on our website called software comparisons and uh, you know uh, we did an entire comparison of the different crms out there uh, the different uh, you know sales engagement platforms out there and uh, you could at any given point of time you the formula was set as to how you should compare how sh- should go in this you know we had a framework around how these blocks should be so the point is for anybody from outside people would ask me hey why are you doing this 
you know, this looks like an approach that somebody like a G2 or a Captera would take. But how does it make sense to you? Are you just doing it for SEO? I'm like, not really. If you understand the audience uh, whom you're serving are having a set of problems and it need not always be very specific to the product. Of course, you know, when you're small, you want to do more product-led content that is very adjacent to your product and the problems that you're solving for. At the same time, you also want to make sure that you're building trust with that core audience and you're also extending yourself to the problems that they have and are not too selfish and focused on only what your product does. And I won't talk about anything outside of that. So that was the perspective. And slowly and steadily, we saw an impact, um, you know, in terms of revenue, in terms of brand growth, in terms of customers. In fact, uh, you, Victor, are uh, one of the key examples, right? So you never knew that Avoma existed. And then over a period of time, you started uh, using Avoma and you've given us glowing feedback over the years. And that's been the journey. Few things that you've said that really make sense, and I feel the audience are going to like get so much value from it. That you said when you came in as a director of content marketing, you didn't want to play the same game that Gong was playing, and that every other company who was going like, going up against Gong, they tend to be comp competing on price. So it was like they would build out everything Gong was doing and then sell it at a cheaper price. But Avoma decided not to go to that direction. So. What goes through the decision, like between you as the director of mar content marketing and the CEO, like, like how do you come to make that decision? Where how do you come to make that decision? Where you say we don't want to play this game? What was your involvement, the CEO's involvement? Like, how did you come to that agreement? Because I ask this question because for most B two B content marketers, even when they see these things, it's very difficult to get buy-in from the executive. So how are you able to pull that off? Yeah. So the interesting story is that um, Aditya, the CEO of Avoma, like we go back um, for the last seven, seven years or six years. Um, the way I even came into the organization was that, um, you know, much long before Avoma, I used to work for a company called Freshworks and I used to handle a product called FreshChat. And uh, at that point, uh, there was one time where I saw him post uh, a tweet wherein uh, uh, wherein he was talking about how he was not very happy with intercom's pricing and uh, you know he had posted a few things as a tweet so i reached out to him at that point i said that uh, hey aditya looks like this is what uh, you had posted i would like to give you fresh chat for free for one year and i'd be happy to put you on uh, training uh, by my team and this 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 i can get all of these things done but for some reason you know he liked intercom as a product and uh, the deal did not go through uh, but we kind of kept in touch. Uh, we saw each other's progress and how uh, we were working and all of that. And in that journey, I was observing um, the way Avoma was growing from day one. One of the very reasons that I even joined Avoma is that Avoma had a unique take. Um, for me, uh, as a marketer, as a content marketer especially, it's very, very important to work with companies that have a point of view. So that has even contributed to today starting SaaS Sprints. And uh, if you look at the SaaS Sprints website, the fundamental first thing that I say on the homepage is that, you know, we work with SaaS companies that have a point of view. So if an organization does not have a point of view, then you're going to play a commodity game and nobody wants to play that commodity game. In fact, when I first joined Avoma, uh, one of the fundamental things that Aditya said at that point, when I asked him like, hey, what's your first KPI? What is the first quick win that you want me to get in the first quarter? He said, forget the quick wins. 
again this is very rare to hear from a ceo is it forget the quick wins um i want you to uh, do good marketing because at the end of the day um the thing is that as a small organization with limited customers at this point we don't want to burn bridges by giving bad experiences so he said focus on what is their problem how best can we elevate their experience and uh, what is that we can do what is the kind of story that you can say and when we look at the every single feature that came up those also came up from real time problems right so even our product teams the way they would pick up features would be based on using avuma itself to listen to these conversations saying that what are the feature requests that regularly come up and uh, again there is a nuance there you know you cannot pick up everything because otherwise you will end up making a bloated product where there are selected features using by selected set of people and uh, it's not moving but then the the beauty there is to realize that customers are the best people who can describe their problems they might not be the ones that will give you a solution but they are the best in terms of who will be able to tell you what their pains are and you have to have significant amount of empathy in your head to understand that okay uh, let me rephrase their problem and look at it from a jobs to be done perspective uh, i'll not hear when they say that i want this feature but rather i would go a little deeper and uh, ask them why is that you want this feature what are you trying to accomplish okay why is that important to you right now how are you doing that so when you understand each of these things and then you understand that how that fits into their workflow and you then arrive at the thing that okay i have you know these are the povs that actually resonates with the audience and then you take these stories to your ceo or even many a times the ceo also brings stories to the table and there is this discussion that hey uh if these are the two or three pillars that i'm going to focus on in this quarter when i create content i want to tell these kind of stories it, it becomes you know a to and fro conversation and you land on that but rather if you just keep looking at what every other competitor is doing you are going to more or less do the same set of things that they are and you are never going to be different to be different it it takes you know a certain amount of guts to go there for instance you know at that point everybody was saying that be product led be product led but we always said that yes being product led is fantastic but the thing is you need to be product led and sales assisted it's not that sales led or product led yes those two models are separate but at the end of the day even when somebody is using your product and signing up on their own it's like you going into a, a supermarket or a departmental store and um, you are adding things to your basket but the moment you're looking for something and you're not able to find it you still want somebody from the corner of your eye to come to you and say that hey uh, victor what are you looking for can i help you that is actually the difference and that is what we emphasized and that's why it was never a problem internally we always had the discussion the other way around saying that what can we do unique in this rather than saying what is the most conventional way wow that's that's very interesting <laughs> so if i pick out a few things from what you said you know having a relationship like i know your case was different because you already built the relationship before you joined the company well there are a few things i can pick out from there is that whether you whether the um content team had built a relationship with the CISO, it's important for them to have that level of trust where if yeah. they dig into product insights and present to the executive and say, okay, these are the stories they want to tell, they would you know buy into that story. And then something you said that that may be, you know, so you you literally said that I think it makes sense for for content marketers or 
to like focus on companies that already value the importance of having a unique point of view. Yeah. Because that has kind of played out in everything that you said. First, you didn't want to play the same game that Gong was playing. Neither do you want to play the same game of people trying to go against them by competing on price. And then when it came to, you know, writing content and telling the story of Abuma, you chose to dig into what um, customers and prospects were actually searching for instead of maybe plugging um, Gong into Ahrefs <laughs> and go, oh, they are ranking for, they are getting 1,000 uh, searches a day for this particular keyword. So, oh, let's go and type that away. So, thank you very much for that insight. So, now, let's talk about... I would li like to add a couple of things there. You know, in yeah. fact, uh, in that journey, they even wrote one blog post called How Gong Became 15x More Valuable Than Chorus. Uh, it was about talking about their marketing journey as such. And in the same time, one probably the most undervalued thing or less spoken about thing from a perspective of a content marketer is that very few content marketers actually go and use the product. Unless you are not a user of your product, if you're not a power user of your product, it becomes very difficult to tell those product-led stories and point of view stories because you know, you're going to pick up the same things from outside. But when you start using your product and listening from there or even interacting with your own team using that, then you know that, oh, actually, you know what? I can tell these stories. Nobody's talking about these things. Or uh, sometimes, I'll, I'll give you one more example, right? So uh, it so happened once that um, I was listening to a conversation between our AE and one of the prospects. And uh, the prospect came about asking this one very simple question, saying that, hey, I see this thing called filler words in your product. And, uh, you know, how, tell me, does just because if I use filler words, does it mean that I'll, uh, you know, um, I'll not close a deal because I'll fail? Uh, is it that more uh, more filler words means that? And when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's a, actually a great question. And uh, why don't we have content as an answer to this question? And when I, so this became a source to even create content, right? So then I, um, you know, went and looked at all the list of calls that we had did some analysis with the engineering team and uh, we came up with three interesting nuggets from that nugget one was that just because you use filler words it doesn't mean that uh, you know you're going to uh, not you're not able to close the call or you're going to lose the deal not like that number two if you're using about um, say 70% filler words for every 100 words you speak then it's going to come across like you're not very confident you're not sure of what you're going to say or you're probably very nervous and it, there are some trust issues that happen as a result of that because you're fumbling. You're also saying that, hey, I'll get back to you. The more get back to you is also, you know, a, a symbol of that. You're not really confident about what you want to show. Yeah. And number three, we realized that um, if you are super perfect, there is like very, very clear and without even an iota of uh, filler words, then it also comes across as uh, too plastic, too well rehearsed. And uh, that was also not working. And interestingly, we noticed a pattern that if somebody has about one to two percent filler words in their conversation, that's actually building trust. And this was like, hey, this is a great story. Now let's go and also marry this to the search volume aspect. Again, don't ignore SEO. It's also important. Yeah. So we went there and looked at uh, Hrefs and it said about there are 6,000 searches for this keyword every month. So combine these two stories and optimize for that keyword as well. And it starts to rank, it starts to bring traffic and it also answers the question. So that's another way to look at it. Wow, very interesting. 
very, very interesting. So, like, I think, I personally think it's a disservice for a content team to be creating content without using the product. Like, yeah. like you said, some of the best stories that you're ever going to tell that's put, that's going to put the product out there without coming up as salesy comes from actually using the product. And, you know, yes, and, and you see in this case, you're able to, first of all, get the story by listening to a sales call with the product. And then before actually going to do the research, you know, so assuming you did the research without looking at the story, you probably just chased that keyword like that. Yeah. You don't even know that the keyword was even, there was any way it was relatable to your business. So very interesting, very interesting. Now let's talk about like the results. You mentioned from 200 to about 1,000 searches in less than six months. That's yeah. a loss. And, you know, like, because the best traffic, I feel like the best traffic are traffic that comes with, for instance, if someone searches content marketing SaaS prints, their current yeah. company, it's yeah. almost likely that they are not just looking for content marketing. They are looking yeah. for SaaS print to do yeah. content marketing for them. So now walk us through the results, like from 200 to 1,500 um, Searches and that that's a big win for a small company like Abuma when you were there. Yeah, no, there were a lot of things that contributed to that. Of course, you know, while uh, the the blogs like comparison blogs and all those things contributed, but the more and more factors that we also realized was the importance of uh, you know beginning to be little active on um, social media, and uh, also about participating in uh, various podcasts and uh, also distributing your content really really well. Because at the end of the day, you know, uh, the interesting part when it comes to the content marketing journey is that you will often notice that your product competitors are on one side. Then you're also going to have competitors who compete with you on ranking for your content. They might not be the exact competition, but they still come up in that journey when search for certain keywords. So that happens. And then when you started to realize that, hey, how do we do that? And is it about starting to post as a woman on LinkedIn and Twitter? While yes, that helps, but that is interestingly, actually, that was not the biggest driver there. The biggest driver was often people saying that, hey, I heard this person speak on uh, this podcast saying this, which led me here. Or it could be about, hey, I saw that, uh, you know, meme that this guy from your company posted, which was hilarious at the same time it was meaningful then from there i went on to look at who Avoma is so we realized that the importance is not just about posting as an organization but every single individual uh, to an extent if you can empower each of these people to become a brand by themselves again it's it's not a very easy journey um you know at that point if there are uh, 50 employees what happens is probably when you first pitch this idea in a a bigger meeting, people might say, yes, let's do it. But over a period of time, if you look at who are the people who actually do it, it's going to be hardly 1% of that uh, entire crowd. But again, um, the best part is that's how it's there in every company. Um, if you look at some of the best performing brands like Lavender, for example, which is doing great on uh, LinkedIn, you will still see that it's often Bill Aitken, Jen, and these are like two or three people and, uh, you know, again, uh, Todd, these are the few, just three or four people who come up again and again. 
but it's just that right so from there we said hey aditya can can you become more active on social media i know there are tens of thousands of things on your plate but still you know if you can even just do couple of posts or one post a day uh it's still going to be uh, very very interesting and then i went on to um schedule one meeting with the entire sales team initially and i said hey here's my framework the idea is that hey this is you as a brand as an individual then here are five different themes that you can build for yourself depending on who you are you know it could be based on your personality it could be based on your past experiences it's going to be based on your specific expertise to a topic it can be related to a product release anything so build three or four themes so that you don't have to think about what is the theme that i'm going to post on today you have the theme for the day it's very much like creating your content calendar saying that hey these are the things uh, and once you have that then you can start doing it regularly but then at the first time it it did not work then what happened is over a period of time the vp of um, sales actually realized that hey when their people are reaching out the sdrs are reaching out and uh, beginning a conversation it kind of helps if the person always has a relationship previously or if the person has heard of this person or their brand so then he came back to me and he said yeah actually you know what i think uh, i will now make it a mandate for the entire sales team to be active on this and then people started coming out and everybody started posting from there the cs team started taking inspiration and they started doing it so it's it's about a variety of things you cannot attribute saying that this is one thing that contributed to that but it it takes an overall effort and many a time you know it's it's those inattributable things like zero click content or memes or podcasts that actually delivers that and just i would say don't always focus on attribution to everything uh sometimes dark funnel is fantastic but at the same time always also it's important not to fool oneself by saying that hey everything is dark funnel nothing can be measured so there is a balance between these two and that's where the real game is wow that's interesting so it's like you've literally motivated the different teams under the organization and you know give them a reason to start posting for that like you said so i i try to bring this up most most often with our B2B SaaS clients, especially those selling to very uh, high-end enterprise companies. And I always tell them, I always try to challenge the marketing team and say, I know the CEO is busy, but you need to make them understand that they are the face of the company. And, you know, we as content marketers, there is, there is so much we can say, but if some of the things that we are saying are coming up from the CEOs and those top executives, people would tend to value them more because yeah of course is the CEOs so wow very interesting so i want to ask you something about distribution but you kind of answered that question because i don't know any other thing i'll talk about distribution like getting the different teams as you know the sales team is always a hard knock to crack for able to you know make them see the reason to start posting content and of course all of that contributed to you know the increase in um, such and so yeah Thank you so much for that case study. I think that we've gone through the first phase where we've put you on the hot seat and you know, <laughs> made you kind of share a real story, something very practical that people will take out of it. So let's look, just summarize that case study and say, suppose you are going to advise a B2B marketing leader setting up his content team or a director of content marketing trying to take up the, taking up the role in a B2B SaaS companies. From your experience, you know, helping 
Avuma in the capacity that you did. And today, you know, I see them, I see them everywhere on LinkedIn. I see Junior just joined the sales team and yeah. he's doing incredibly and the company is growing. I'm so happy for them. I'm a customer of Avuma, by the way. So from your experience, like what would you advise a, a head of marketing trying to build out his content team or a director of marketing trying to take up the role as a content marketing director? Yeah, so the first thing that I would say is that, um, you know, probably spend your first week in trying and to understand the priorities of uh, the key functions like sales, customer success, and what's important to your uh, CEO. Because, you know, more often than not, what happens is as marketers, uh, and especially as content marketers, we have our aspirations to create certain type of content, but there are we have dependencies on so many people. For example, you know, while you're creating a podcast, you still want help from the video production team to get certain things done from a podcast perspective or snippet perspective or real perspective. You need help with designers. You also want your um, salespeople to also work with you in the sense that many time, you know, again, borrowing one of the past experiences that I used to go and interview um, certain people uh, from our sales team based on certain calls and then write an entire blog post and publish it on their name instead of mine because that will also give them uh, this additional benefit of being able to go out there and share it but more importantly when you understand that what are their priorities and you start conducting those meetings on a regular basis to say that hey what are you hearing in the market and what is that um, you know how can i empower you with content that is something that's very very important you it, it's like coming up with a CEO slide for yourself. This is this is uh, an idea that I learned from Devin Reed. He always says this, you know, focus on the CEO slide. That's something I think is very, very important if you're working with startups or small stage companies. Right. So when it comes to storytelling, uh, the way I look at it is that, uh, you know, you need not have a specific format. In general, one of the few things that I always try to do every single time is that you confirm uh, what the user wants. Somebody coming to the page, you know, uh, going by that, gong versus chorus example i say that hey because you're here i'm assuming that you are uh, a salesperson or a sales decision maker who's trying to do x y and z and uh, because of which you are comparing this so it's, it's more like making sure that you ensure that the intent is right and uh, they are nodding while they're reading either you want them to say yes you want them to say no uh, and it's it's about those smaller aspects looking at it. it it need not always have a formula but you want to take them through a particular journey it's again like the jobs to be done part which i explained uh, previously where you understand what is the motivation you know uh, for example uh, the interesting story that i've heard from bob moesta about snickers uh, you know he always says that the entire story of snickers is based on the factor that they were initially competing and positioning themselves against Milky Way and other chocolate bars. But while they actually interviewed every single person buying Snickers in the airport, they realized this interesting story that this person who was going to go to the next flight, um, you know, they were hungry, but they did not want to eat something heavy that would uh, quench their hunger, satiate their hunger so that they'll not be able to take anything in the flight. So for time being, they wanted to eat something that was filling as well. So that's the reason that people often bought stinkers. And when they heard similar reasons from many people, they understood that Snickers is not competing with the other chocolate bars, but rather it is competing with the story of, you know, satiating hunger, which made them come up with this whole story of 
you're not yourself while you're hungry so it's all about understanding the motivation of each people and you want them to either nod yes or you want them to nod no while they are looking at your video looking at your written content or anything but the one thing that you are always trying to avoid is indifference if somebody feels that okay what's there in this how does it even resonate with me how does it connect with me then that's probably bad so always start with that reason and the key thing to remember is the when you look at linkedin everybody says focus on pain focus on pain focus on pain but i would say pain is important and pain is an important component of your storytelling but it's not always about pain because the reason is that um if you're thinking about it from that lens what happens is you're also assuming that your solution or your product come comes into the play only when the situation is dire and they have to do it at that point and that's when they go and decide it no it's it's not always about saving from a situation or putting off fire it's also aspirational to get somewhere you know some take apple right so apple stories it's it's not just about a phone uh take the story of nike it's not just about a shoe it's about standing for a purpose it's about selling an aspiration as well again you know you you cannot always take these examples but in your journey you understand that what is it somebody is trying to do it's it's going to be a gamut of 10 or 15 different things and you always have the threads to build a story but as long as you are keeping your ears to the ground you will always find what to say and it need not follow a pattern and more importantly i would say don't follow a pattern because pattern interruption is the best way to get attention yes very 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 important point do not follow patterns because pattern interruptions is the very best way i i think that's that's my take home on storytelling and there's something you said that that really resonates with me is the fact that you shouldn't be indifferent you know you know we biological students we would say if you're if you're lukewarm the god is going to spit you out so it's either <laughs> So it's either your host or your coach. So that's that's a very deep lesson for, like, for content marketers. If I if I try to wrap up what you've just said into something that I, I'm going to hold on to is the fact that when someone comes to your content, you want them to either say yes or you want them to either say no. Like you want them to be reading and say yes, that makes sense. Or you want them to read and say no, that doesn't make sense. So so it then depends on the context where you should be using. whether you should be telling them to say yes or should be telling them to say no and like you said keep your ears to the ground to know where you're going to when you're supposed to be, like make them say yes or no and then something very important to you said which I, i may like you to expand on uh, that it's not always about pain points i think this is very first time i'll be hearing a content marketer say content marketing should not just always be about pain points where you're only trying to put off the fire so sometimes you have to like be aspirational so in your own practice as you know an experienced b2b content marketer like how have you been able to create that balance between doing when you should be like focused on putting off the fire for the for your icps with your content marketing and knowing that okay a section of our effort should be focused on you know creating aspirational pieces that you know makes that's focused on pop do you have yeah. any kind of rule or you just you know make the decision like as on the fly no it's it's about um, you know having a good mix right so again before i get to this thread one more thing i want to add to the previous point where you spoke it's it's while you say you know uh, yes this makes sense no this does not make sense it's not just about the solution given to them it's also about 
you know, qualifying whether they are the right person. You know, the Gong example that I gave, I said that you are doing this because you want to do this. So it's about also about making them say that yes, that's me, or no, that's not me. So this is not for me. So it's it's also about that. Now coming to this picture of well, how do I bring this into the mix? It's if you look at the Aoma stories. You know, on one side there are these um, you know topics related to conversation intelligence and the problems that the product is solving, but on the other side, there have been certain, uh, you know, blog posts or even podcast episodes where we have spoken about should you invest in best of breed solutions or in all-in-one solutions? Or should how do you build go about building a referral system? Why am I even comparing all these different CRM uh, solutions? So it's, it's all about understanding that perspective that, hey, it's not only what your product solves for, it's also about the various things that your customers go through. It's about you understanding their life cycle, the set of things that they're doing um, in their day-to-day life, and then saying that, okay, what is the nearest adjacent problem that I can solve for, even though my product does not solve for it today? And that becomes part of your uh, content mix, where you say that if I'm investing on, um, say, five blogs, on this, I at least want to do two to three blocks on these things as well. Because on one side, of course, you want to feed your sales team with the right kind of demand. And then, you know, you want them to be, you want to fill them up with uh, your trial signups and demos and all of that. But still on the other side, you want to make sure that there are enough set of people who are looking up to you for certain things. You know, you want to um, say that, okay, hey, this company is shipping new features every now and then. How are they doing it? You know, this company is responding to people on time. How are they doing it? So it's also about giving those things to the community uh, as part of your whole journey. The Even the name Modern SaaS, uh, you know, comes from that, right? So it was not like the Boomer podcast. It was the Modern SaaS podcast because we are serving for the SaaS community anyway and the GTM teams. But as a SaaS organization, there are a set of things that you go through. And as a modern SaaS user, what are the expectations? You know, what is the buyer journey like? What is the day-to-day uh, product usage experience like? What are the things, are they jumbling across five different products to deliver something? So how do I contribute to that? Then from there, all these topics come up. It's again, fundamentally about understanding your customers and then realizing that based on this priority, what is more important to them, what is less important to them, and then arriving at your mix. It's not about what you want to deliver as a mix. It's about what, the value system of your customers determines how much you do this versus how much you do this. Oh, very, 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 very bright. So you've just given us the trick or the secret. You've just unleashed the secret on how Abuma came out with the modern, with the modern SaaS podcast. You know, looking at it for me, and this is why I personally don't, I stopped writing like all these extensive case studies where you just stay outside there and say, this company did this, they shouldn't have done this, they shouldn't have, because you're not inside the company and you don't, yeah. you're not seeing things from their perspective. So I always tend to feel like, because you're not with the direct data that they have collected, you can't really depict from the outside what the company should do. So that's a very strong lesson that you've kind of solidified for me. And like, if you leave me, I'll keep going and going because <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, I'm in a lecture room and I'm just, drinking from the from the from the juice of a master 
thank you so much for taking the time to do this yag i i know we are going to do it more we're going to do it more often again where can people find you because yag has opened up his linkedin he has opened up his twitter where again can we find you yag because i know people would want to find you and head directly from you sure first of all thank you so much for uh, having me on the show i absolutely enjoyed um, conversing with you and uh, it, this always uh, almost every time i talk to you it feels like we are in the same room uh, sharing a <laughs> cup of coffee and having a great conversation uh, and it yeah. doesn't ever feel like a formal recording but still you know looks like we have covered a range of topics and for all the listeners uh, thank you really for your time uh, for uh, listening to this and tuning into this um you can find me on linkedin where i'm the most active um just uh type my first four letters y a a g and probably i'm the only person with that spelling uh yes. so that's relatively easier to find and um i you can also look at sasprints.com it's s a a s hyphen s p r i n t s dot com so that's my website so these two places and then of course uh, you know you uh, dm me or you connect with me on linkedin and Uh, we can start the conversation right away. Right. Thank you so much for not just checking out the Growing with Content podcast, but staying till the end of this episode. Once again, I'm your host Victor Edu, the lead content marketing strategist and founder at VCD Studio. I'm super super happy to have you listening to this show and until the next episode, take care of yourself out there and have a nice one.